from indies to foreign films, from the underseen to the underrated, this is Not Your Average Movie Podcast. All right, everyone. Welcome to Not Your Average Movie Podcast. All right. First episode, Not Your Average Movie Podcast. Not Your Average Movie Podcast. All right. And I'm your host, Tom Stift. And this is my good buddy, Adam DeBenedictus. All right. Let's just go right into the raid. The raid. All right. Redemption, which I. I don't know if redemption is even like a necessary word in the title. Uh, it was just tacked on uh, for the U.S. version. Um, but I, I don't know if there's any real like satisfying redemption in the movie. Um, but, you know, that's just me. I like the title of The Raid. So I'll call it The Raid. Yeah, no, literally everywhere else in the world, it's just called The Raid. And I don't understand at all where they got the redemption from. It's just kind of like a badass action sounding word, like redemption. Yeah, like I feel like Red Dead Redemption was like hot at the time. And so they were like, oh, the US people were just like, oh, there's another movie called The Raid. What do we call this? Um, um, The Raid uh, uh, Redemption. Is there redemption in it? No, but it sounds neat. Yeah. It's a badass word. Badass word. All right. So on to our first episode, The Raid Redemption. A rookie member of an elite team of commandos, Rama is instructed to hang back as his comrades-in-arms go ahead in their mission to take down a brutal crime lord called Tama. However, the team's cover is blown and Tama offers sanctuary to every criminal in the high-rise apartment block in exchange for the cops' heads. Now Rama must take command and lead the remaining team on an ultra-violent charge through the building to complete and survive the mission. <laughs> My dramatic reading. <laughs> Yeah, it's a pretty simple setup, but it works. Yeah, honestly, that explanation was about 90% of the plot of this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it starts with a pretty, it looks like it's going to be a successful raid of uh, this apartment complex, and they're very well coordinated. Uh, they got like their hand signals, they're silent. Um, so the first uh, 20 or 30 minutes or so, uh, they really got their shit together. Uh, the only action that we see early on uh, is really with uh, rapid gunfire. Um, and over the course of the movie, they kind of get more desperate. Uh, and they're uh, losing weapons and they're using more hand-to-hand combat. Uh, so it makes the fight scenes more um, intricate as the movie goes on. Yeah, and um, just before we get into more of the nitty-gritty stuff, I just wanted to say this is directed by Gareth Evans, stars Ikuo Weiss. Yeah, and I apologize ahead of time for all these names that I'm about to butcher. But this stars Ikuo Weiss, Rohian, and Joe Taslim. This film is in Indonesian, was filmed in Indonesia, stars Indonesian martial arts. And this is, I believe... Uh, Gareth, what's his last name? The director? Yeah, uh, Gareth Evans. Gareth Evans. It's his second uh, Indonesian film. And he's actually a Welsh director. Uh, he got into 
Indonesian martial arts films as like a freelance art opportunity in like the mid 2000s. That first film, uh, he worked with Yayan, which is Mad Dog. Uh, and this guy's been in a few films uh, since then. I think he was in Doctor Strange or something. Yeah, I think he briefly showed up in um, Star Wars The Force Awakens for a yeah, second. Only to get eaten real quick. Just <laughs> I feel like he's. I've seen him in small parts in a lot of things now. And he's just been wasted in every single thing. I'm like, have him do martial arts. Why yeah. do you have him come up to say a few lines and die? <laughs> Yeah, I, I recognized him immediately when I saw him in this movie, so that was pretty neat. So Gareth Evans, uh, this is his second Indonesian martial arts films. Oh, he also lived in Indonesia until 2015, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, so we can go into the whole kung fu style later, but I did a little bit of research into the kung fu, and he basically, Gareth Evans, found the uh, main star, Iko Weiss, through making a documentary about this kind of martial arts that they do in Indonesia called, um, it's phonetically pronounced, uh, Penchak Silat. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm like, that's as good as you're going to get out of me. (laughs) He basically did this, did this original documentary, wanted to do this action movie and had this whole big idea for one, which I guess ended up eventually becoming the raid too, because he discovered like, they only give him, gave him like $1 million to do this movie. Yeah, so this film was only made for about a million dollars. I think it was $1.1 million, And that's super low budget for a movie that ends up in theaters. Yeah, no, that's crazy, especially like I can't like I can't believe that he had this whole big idea. Then they only gave him $1 million and then he scrambled and was like, oh, OK, I make this real quick. Like the fact that you can just think on your feet like that. Yeah, I mean, they had... Only one setting, really, or maybe uh, two or three um, in like this rundown apartment building. I wonder if it was like already abandoned. They broke a lot of stuff, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was just already abandoned because, yeah, they pretty much singularly like were just in this apartment building. And then I think Rama's house for like a flat for like a flashback with his family. Yeah. With the stereotypical of like, oh, you know, you got to make your protagonists like need a family to go back to or need you know an extra reason to get out of this alive yeah okay so just in a few words could you succinctly say like whether you like dislike freaking hated um from top to bottom how do you feel about this movie as Uh, just an overall okay in a few words i liked it i i think it was uh a thoughtful suggestion for an action movie because i don't really like action movies at least traditionally with like the shaky cam and just like hard to follow and um like invincible characters where it's like not even interesting the plot armor um but yeah i i like um like in college i lot i watched a lot of like wuxia films like um uh chinese martial arts films and this asian cinemas class uh, and I, I really enjoyed watching those because there's like an art uh, to a lot of the combat uh, and the choreography. Um, and this really allows that to shine with the, the cinematography, just lets the choreography like really play out and be visible. So I enjoyed watching it. It's a good action movie and in, in a few words. <laughs> <laughs> in your few words. And in my few words, I love this movie. 
but also it is right up my alley. Um, unlike you, where you're like, again, you haven't really been into action movies in the past and everything. And keep in mind, people, I pick out the movies, so the chances of me saying I don't love a movie are probably pretty slim going forward. But we'll, you know, obviously, Adam will bring some movies to the table and such. We'll have to pick your least favorite movie. My least favorite, yeah, we'll have to pick my least favorite movie that no one saw because it was bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I love action movies from the 80s action movies I used to watch with my dad, like Robocop and Commando and just the crazy 80s maybe slightly racist now um action movies wait you love racist movies oh yes you're canceled on well, episode one i'm canceling us on episode one <laughs> this is where we're starting out ladies and gentlemen yep immediate cancellation but no i i love those original 80s action movies all the way up to like the 90s crazy kung fu but you are right i don't I, i'm not a huge fan of the shaky cam like i love jason bourne but I don't go to the Bourne movies for their pristine action. I go there for like more of the spy thriller stuff. I yeah. it had been so long since action was really good. And while I feel like John Wick was the first one to bring it back, really, this was the first movie that I saw. And I think this came out before John Wick even. That yeah, I think John Wick was like 2012, 2013. Um, but I think the 2000s with uh, Born Identity, uh, which was early 2000s, it was like a whole era of that shaky cam. Yeah, you just can't see anything. Just And even Marvel, to an extent, had this issue where it was just close up, punch, cut, 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 cut. Like, and okay, so for those of you guys who don't know, professionally, I am a video editor. So watching these fight scenes be edited was maddening. Mm-hmm especially from the early 2000s. But this movie was the one that everyone talked about. John Wick was the movie to bring back action films. John Wick this, John Wick that. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to start this podcast was because no one seemed to talk about this movie. And I'm like, literally the weakest guy in this movie is about John Wick level. Yeah. So yeah, in summary, in my few words, I love, I love this movie. But I love the second one even more, which we'll get to hopefully on another episode. Yeah, I'll, I mean, even if we don't do it for an episode, I want to watch the second one. I'm intrigued. Yep. And so as far as plot goes, like we said, is pretty bare bones simple. Yeah, I mean, any human element that they add to it, uh, like uh, the pregnant wife and the brother, uh, it's it takes up so little screen time. It's kind of an afterthought, but you need to invest yourself in the main character for some reason. Like you want this guy to survive because he has a pregnant wife. So they spend like, I don't know, like five minutes on that. Yeah. I wanna... uh, and we don't really, really care about that too much, but it's enough of a justification to root for Rama. Yeah, no, I agree that like what, what character development there is, is very thin. But also, it's I like that it's just enough to get you into the movie, and it just gets to it gets to the point very quickly. Which the point is action, like just as much balls to the wall kung fu action that you can get in a movie like this. And I like how they very succinctly just in the first like ten fifteen minutes establish this character has a family, 
All right. Now into the boating and into what you came here to see, the action. Exactly. And I think it is kind of interesting to have the brother and the cop kind of uh, on opposing sides and, you know, coming together uh, in the end, uh, which is kind of a spoiler, but it, it brings kind of a relationship dynamic to the movie. Yeah, they put in just enough relations to make you care. Like, I always cared about Rama the whole way through. I hoped that he would get his brother out. Um, all the other cops and all the other criminals are just kind of cannon fodder. Except for maybe one of the criminals who I really particularly like. The, uh, the mad dog dude you were mentioning yeah, earlier. Dog. Who, he's... So he's like the assistant to the main bad guy. And I found him way more cool than anything the main bad guy did. Like, the main bad guy was just there to kind of be like, tell everyone, hey, I will give you a million dollars and free refuge if you bring me a cop's head. And outside of that, I feel like he didn't do much where his second in command, like, got stuff done. Like, he, he did all the crazy kung fu. He did all the fighting. In my brain, he's the main bad guy of this movie. Yeah, I mean, the the leader really is the only person in this movie that doesn't know. Uh, what's the martial art? Oh, yeah. the uh, As we all go look on our phones yeah, to be I able to pronounce this correctly. call it Kung Fu the whole time. Penchak Salat. Yeah, the, the leader of the drug lords, the drug lord himself, uh, he's the only one in the movie that really doesn't know Penshaks a lot. Um, and like all of the tenants are like kind of experts at it. I mean, they do get kind of beat up really easily, but you know, they, they, they know how to throw a punch with good form. Um, and there's a lot of them in the building. Yeah. Well, that's even the crazy thing about this movie. And another thing you brought up at the beginning was they all start off with guns for the most part of like the plan to go, all right, we're going to go raid this building. We're going to go take this drug lord in. We got all the guns. Let's go. And then slowly throughout the movie, just guns start to go away more. Like by like about halfway through the movie, just guns have disappeared altogether. And everyone's just hand to hand, like melee fighting, which is where I think the movie particularly shines. Like the first half is good. And the sound design is crazy good on the guns, especially. Yeah. Like, I feel like I see a lot of movies where guns just sound like they're little pea shooters. Yeah. But this movie, they made those guns sound like they had impact. Also, if you do not like gore, I mean, this goes without explanation for a radar action movie. But if you are not a fan of gore, do not go anywhere near this thing. This movie is very gory and they did a very good job with A, the sound design of all the guns and kung fu and everything, and B, just the. This is going to sound bad, but just the splatter, just all the visuals they put along with everything. And just like the believable, both the choreography and I think practical effects were just like knives and people's necks and stuff. And a lot of people breaking their backs. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of throwing going on. Yeah. No, this movie would make Batman proud with how many uh, bones they break on people. Yeah. I'm like those bone crushing sound effects, too well done i feel like the only times this movie really slows down is at the very first 15 minutes and maybe like the last two minutes yeah i think when they start the raid uh they are pretty slow and careful about it but the suspense is there 
Um, but yeah, the first 10 minutes, I, it, I, it didn't really catch my attention until the actual raid started, you know, him training, uh, in his little gym and talking to his wife wasn't really that interesting yet. Uh, so it, it was a pretty slow portion of the movie. Yeah, but I can see I can see people being like, okay, I can see I can see why this movie's good, but I don't see why it's great until until they lose the guns magically and start doing that hand to hand fighting. Yeah. I do like that it's like constant, very fast action, but also there's some scenes where they just decide to like stand still, take their time, and they form tension very well. The scene where I think Rama and Bowo, uh, we're in that guy's apartment hiding in the closet. That scene gets me every time. I yeah. love it. And the guy was just looking for him and stabbing into the walls, and there was that slow suspense. Uh, it, that whole like middle portion of the movie, there it, there was some suspense where they they don't really have that plot armor anymore. They do choose to run away and hide because they know they're outnumbered. There's other times in the movie. Where, uh, like in the the medicine room, uh, there's one on one combat throughout the whole scene. When in reality, you see a guy like coming out of nowhere and being like, "Why? Why wasn't that guy like teaming up on them earlier on?" Exactly. And in this movie, they all decide like, "Oh, you're literally taking all the words out of my mouth." Because yeah, they find this guy. There's five of them, and he discovers there's one of me and six of them. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Rama, the rookie guy, he's he's a smart guy, and he's uh, also just like really good at uh, martial arts. Yeah, well, and that's one thing you figure out in this whole movie. It's just like, is everyone good at martial arts? Uh, apparently, I I think the rest of the the police or like the majority of them, they got shot up like pretty easily, pretty early on. Uh, so they never really got a chance to show off their martial arts, and maybe they just didn't have those skills. True, I could have just why, like some like five base characters made it through to like the third act. Yeah, true. It definitely could have just been him who knows it, who knows martial arts specifically. And another thing I really love about the combat in this movie is, along with people gaining up on him. He also gets hit and gets tired. Like that's one thing that they show in these fights that makes it very real is that no, like I feel like a lot of Hollywood fights, no one ever takes a breath. No one ever gets tired. No one like takes a moment to like catch their breath. And in this movie, there's quite a few moments where he's fighting off three people and even the other three people, they're just looking at each other, sitting there panting, like, hold on, like, give me a sec. Like they all, they're all. They all need a second to catch their breath, and then they just go right back into fighting, and it's it's pretty brutal. Yeah, I mean, a a real factor in like combat is like the mental aspect and like just the physical endurance, and like if you're having human characters, you need to, you know, kind of deal with that. Yeah, when I feel like when you see Rama, um, see all these people, you can see him doing like. The calculations of it in his brain of how am I going to defeat these people? Because we'll explain this more in the spoiler section, but there's often times where it's just him and a ton of goons, and maybe one person's helping him, maybe a couple people are helping him, 
but a lot of the times it's him against a number of enemies and he actually has to figure out in his head think tactically of how can i as one man beat all three or four of these guys yeah especially later on where they all start rolling around with machetes and different as i like to call stabby stabby weapons yep that was a crazy fight scene machete gang no i think early on in the film they also just did a good job of getting us to root against the drug lords uh when you know he was like shooting all those uh guys in the chairs and smashing that last guy in the head with a hammer just like mercilessly yeah they made a good job of just making that like final bad guy absolutely despicable I do again. My only issue with him, and it's not even an issue, is that I almost kind of wish he was mixed with the Mad Dog character, who's his basically his right his right hand man. Um, just because his right hand man actually went down and got his hands dirty. Yeah. Whereas I feel like the main crime lord just kind of sat in his penthouse and just watched everyone else do his bidding, which is all well and good. It's just it made him just kind of a normally generic bad guy yeah we need something for our hero to fight against but yeah i think we got most of the non-spoilers out yeah i i expected that the chief um not the chief i expected that the drug lord tama was gonna end up being like this ultimate uh final boss uh but really, Mad Dog was that final boss. Uh, I thought Tama would have some kind of martial arts skills that he wasn't showing off the whole movie. But no, he kind of buckled really easily. Yeah, he kind of, yeah, he buckled and got arrested pretty, pretty got off pretty scot-free for like all the like all the shit he causes beforehand. And I agree. That's kind of what I meant by like. He feels kind of weak as opposed to Mad Dog, where Mad Dog gets stuff done. He goes in, he goes against the cops. He's uh, that fight between Mad Dog, Rama, and his brother. Yeah, that was insane. Yeah, the two on one fight, which is, I think, the only one of the only times where Rama actually has an extra person to help him go against someone. Yeah, I think that's really the only true two on one fight. The rest of the movie is one guy after another um yeah basically rama facing either groups or one-on-one with guys yeah but yeah no just to kind of go from the beginning them all like walking in with the hand signals and the guns and everything just when they get to that first door and the bullets start shooting through that's what i mean by like the sound design went bonkers there because it goes from very quiet hand signals nothing and part of the reason why i love the tension in this movie and it goes from complete silence to just bah, 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 and just everyone getting like you see how dangerous these guys are right off the bat. Yeah. Establishes the stakes. Yeah, it kind of um it kind of tilts into that like higher paced action right after uh they shoot this kid, which is kind of a mistake. Like someone in uh the police squad uh, shot this kid as he was running to say police um, and alert everyone else in the building. Um, but really, at that point, they would have lost either way. They would have alerted 
the whole building either way. Um, so it, it just kind of tripped at that point um, and went into this high pace for the rest of the night. Yeah, so there's that beginning one. And, and then I can remember, like, there is a lot of, I mean, pretty much from that point on, this entire movie is just kind of fight scene after fight scene, except for those small moments of tension, like in the closet. But I specifically remember two fight scenes. There's this one in the hallway with all the machete dudes, um, where at some point in the movie, there's just a whole group of peop- guys with machetes going door to door and just taking out, like just checking and seeing, looking for cops and just taking out these cops with their machetes whenever they find one. And that leads to the scene where Rama and one other, one other injured policeman are just hiding in the closet and the guy's going and stabbing the closet with um with the machete. That was intense. Yeah. And Rama has to clean off the machete as it pulls out of his cheek with his glove. Exactly. That that little touch of that he needs to make sure he doesn't like leave any blood behind on the machete. Yeah. That that was kind of the same kind of tension I got from like the quiet place when uh the mother like steps on a nail and has to like avoid screaming it's the same kind of feeling yeah you have just those little details that make it that much more like like suspenseful yeah and then right after that the fight right after that is maybe where i went like my mind exploded a little bit because also before i saw this movie i hadn't seen a lot of martial arts films um since then i've gone and uh, looked into some old Jackie Chan stuff, some old Bruce Lee stuff. This really got me into martial arts films. And I think the fight scene that really blew my mind at first was when he started fighting those machete ga- when they find him in the hallway and he has to take them on more or less five on one. Yeah. And that's where all of the things we were talking about before, where he gets tired at one point fighting them, he sees the five of them and he runs away until he can face maybe like a two on one. And then at a point they're all just in this hallway and yeah, the fight, the fight breaks loose and it's just the craziest action. I think I've, well, I thought I'd ever seen until I watched some more martial arts movies. Yeah, yeah, this is like the tip of the iceberg, but this is still like really, really well done. It's not, it's not beginner martial arts by any means. It's still a a really well done, well choreographed movie. Yeah, and even that, oh, that and that final kill he gets on the one guy where he um he pretty much takes the guy's head, jumps up and slams it into the bottom of the door. Yeah. Like where there's just a bunch of spikes like left in this broken door. He just jumps up and smashes this dude's head into it. Like, but yeah, no, don't go into this movie at all if you're squeamish. Because anytime they do, they finish off a fight scene. That final kill is always guaranteed to be kind of brutal in some way, shape or form. Definitely. And again, going with like the mad dog thing. Another moment that just made me like another martial arts moment that I just loved was when they took the fluorescent, like they smashed the fluorescent bulb turned that into like a foreshadowing moment and then jumped up and stabbed Mad Dog with it at the end. Oh, yeah. To finally take him down. Yeah, that was pretty sick. Yeah, and just, I don't know, the coordination between Rama and his brother in that fight scene. Those two fight scenes are the ones that like made the pinnacle of action for me. And then there was the second one, which is now the pinnacle of action for me, but we will talk about that another time. 
Um, but yeah, there was another scene with Mad Dog and one of the other cops um, where they really make a point about hand-to-hand combat versus guns. Like Mad Dog has like a gun to this guy's head uh, and he decides that he'd rather fight him with his hands because it's more uh, virtuous or whatever. And I was like, hey, come on, just shoot him. Just shoot him. Yeah, like, kind of. He wants to do the whole honorable fight. Yeah, it's just kind of like one of those tacky villain things where like they could easily kill them, but they'd rather just, uh, you know, suffer for 20 minutes and then end up getting killed because they're the villain of the movie. Yeah, they they try to make a point about not killing too easily, like really, really fighting to defend your your drug cartel or the police or whatever. I like that in a lot of these fights that you can tell they're like, yeah, at a point it's fighting for the cartel, but also at a point it becomes the fight of their lives where they're looking to fight dirty. Like everyone's just looking to survive this fight no matter which way they can. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the tenants uh, come out of their rooms to fight the police because there's some promise uh, by the drug lord that they're going to get something out of it. Yeah, essentially money and free rent for life. Yeah. Um, So they could easily stay in their rooms and not risk their lives. But I think a lot of these people are in desperate situations. They're, They're not very well off. Any kind of promise of some kind of fortune uh, was enough for them to risk their lives. Yeah, when they do, I do like that they show too that there are good people in the apartment complex too that are just in desperate situations because that's what happened with the whole closet scene was that they went into these kind people's house and need like needed shelter and basically like pleaded with them, be like, don't, you know, don't rat us out to them. Please like help us out. And because I believe they spared the husband earlier, like he helped them out. He let them in to his own, you know, to his own detriment. If they found him in there, they probably would have killed him too. Yeah. Um. So I did like that while like most of the tenants are trying to kill them, they did show that there are some still some good people, if not just like normal people who are like, listen, I'm not going to fight the police, but I also am not going to help anyone. Yeah, the guy who hid them in that apartment, it didn't seem like he was involved with the the whole drug operation at all. Um, He was just a guy that was living there, and he had some parallel to Rama uh, because he was also taking care of his wife. Another character we haven't talked about much is the police chief, Wahyu, or Wahyu, I think, is pronounced. Yeah, so isn't that the guy that you were talking about that fought one, like, that mad dog had the gun too, and then was like, all right, fight me one-on-one. Was that the chief? I'm talking about the older guy. Oh, the the old white dude? Yeah. The one and only white dude that you're like, you're you're gonna be a dick, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he He kind of has the build of just like a, you know, a childhood SWAT action figure, like a G.I. Joe kind of guy. He's got kind of like a flat top kind of haircut. Yeah, I don't know why. For me, the moment I saw him, I'm like, you're not a bad guy, but you're definitely like a slimy cop or like you're in it for yourself, I feel like. Yeah, I think the one character in 
this movie that is kind of representing that is Wayu, which I think is the police chief, the older cop. Um, because at the end, there is this dialogue between him and Tama, uh, where Tama's just kind of like laughing at him because uh, Wayu thinks he's going to go back home and get like promoted. And there's some dialogue in the mo- middle of the movie with Rama and Wayu. Uh, where Rama really doesn't know why they're there. What are they fighting for? Um, I think what you're going for, and at least in this movie, is why you essentially de- deceives all of his fellow cops because they all go into the building thinking this has been an official police order to go into this building and apprehend or kill this particular drug lord who they've just left unchecked for so long. They've known he's there, just like, again, in the U.S. or anywhere else, we know where the drug lords are. We just don't. We need to build a case on them, or before we can go in and take them out. And why you wanted wanted glory, wanted fame, wanted to be the person to bring this guy down, and so that's why this mission is even more dangerous than they originally thought. They figure out halfway through, they're like, "Oh, hey, the backup should be coming any moment." Now he's like. Yeah, I kind of did this of my own accord off the books to be a hero. So no one's coming for us because no one knows we're here. And that puts in even more of the isolation in that there's no backup coming. They don't know this operation's even happening. Yeah, he wanted to be like this surprise news story that becomes uh, famous all around Indonesia. And he's like this local hero. Uh, Rama says to Wayu uh, about halfway in the, uh, through the film, uh, we're not here for good. We're not fighting for good. We're here to make somebody rich. Like It, it was unclear uh, at that point in the movie why they were there, uh, if it was worthwhile for him to be risking his life. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell, we are great at segues. Yeah. So overall, like, again, if we had kind of gushed more about this movie and its action, I love this movie. I love the choreography. I love, again, being an editor, I love that they just hold on the wide shot and just let the performers, and I call them performers because martial arts is just as much of a performance as any acting is. Yeah, most of the cast are comprised of martial artists rather than actors, uh, like Yayan Ruhian. Uh, Mad Dog, he was primarily a martial artist before this. Iko Weiss uh, was a martial artist. Yeah, like especially Iko Weiss, the main character, was discovered by Evans on during his documentary film on Pikachu. And he basically just ran his own school and everything. But Gareth Evans found him so charismatic that he centered the documentary largely around him and also was like, hey, you know, you have... You're very good at martial arts, and you have just enough charm to be an actor. Yeah. And so, yeah, even though he doesn't really get to be all that charming or anything in this movie, he does still have a presence about him, and he's he gets a lot more characterization and a lot more like moments to shine as a normal actor in the second movie. And yeah, like like I've said before, if you thought the action in this movie was crazy, the second one is basically two hours nonstop of just taking what was developed in this movie and just bringing, bringing it up like 
four or five levels higher than it was here. Yeah, because now it gets the budget that Gareth originally wanted. Allows him to develop that bigger budget vision. But yeah, this has been The Raid. Yeah, overall, love the movie. Good action movie. I'm not an action movie guy, but I enjoyed The Raid. It was a pleasant movie-going experience. (laughs) You sound so formal. As a (laughs) fine movie connoisseur, this was a pleasant experience. Did you watch it on a DVD or on HBO? I watched it on DVD. I Was it I, Indonesian with subtitles or uh, dubbed? It was uh, subtitled. Oh, okay. I, I watched the English dub. Oh, okay. Yeah. How, how is that? Um, it, it sounded like a dub. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hope so. <laughs> like, I don't know. The, there were times where like the delivery of lines seemed like off. Um, I don't know. Just. As if it was a read, I guess, is the way I would describe it. Like, did you, was any of the acting, did any of the acting feel weird to you? The, the acting didn't feel weird. I feel like the English dub was kind of like uh, voice acting as if it was an animated version of the same movie, if that makes sense. So, so basically you're talking about like an anime dub. Yeah, it's like, they're, it's kind of caricaturized uh, versions of these characters. Um, and then I, for a second, I thought this was like a South American film because the only other op- option was uh, in Spanish. There was no Indonesian version on HBO, which was kind of weird. That's odd. Yeah. Okay. So I guess you can't watch it in its original language on HBO, which is where I was going to go to. This is on HBO and on DVD. Apparently, if you want to watch it in the normal, in its original language, though, you have to get it on DVD. Yeah, also the English, I guess, slash Spanish version, um, The Raid Redemption, uh, the score is different. Uh, Mike Shinoda of Linkin Park does a lot of the score for this one. I don't know who does the score for the original, but that's been modified. The title's been modified. Um, and I'm sure some other things, too. As per usual, when it goes through Hollywood, it has to get mucked with a little bit. Yep. Just a little bit. All right. Well, now that uh, we finished up here, I just want to move on to our recommendations. Anything in life that you feel like recommending, whether it was uh, some new band you found, a new album, some a video game, a book you're reading, even a mo- newer movie that you've seen in theaters, like that's it, just to give us a chance to talk about essentially whatever we want. I don't know if I'd recommend it. But the ultimatum on Netflix, which is made by the same people as Love is Blind, it's just one of those like trash um, dating shows where uh, established couples go on and basically they have an ultimatum where uh, either you propose or we're breaking up. One person in the couple says that to the other. And so there's these five couples uh, and they're basically swingers. Um, and they pick one person from another couple to live with for three weeks, and then they live with their own partner for three weeks, and then they make a decision on whether or not to, uh, move forward or, uh, basically get engaged or get out. Um, and it, it, it's one of those trash dating shows, but I enjoyed it. Uh, Molly and I 
binged it over the course of a few days. Um, good experience. And to clarify, Molly is Adam's fiance. Ye. Yeah, no, I, I, I love I'll stop you. saying yeah, a ye because she hates that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go. Don't worry, Molly. We got you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, you, you and Molly love your trash TV, but also I understand it. Like I've, I've known a lot of people who love like those in numerous seasons like survivor or uh, survivor is it yeah survivor is survivor is pretty it's trashy but it's still pretty good yeah i like survivor but yeah i like survivor um what was the one i I watched one with my fiance Allie. uh i think it was uh i forget what it was it was one where a bunch of people uh go into different airbnbs together all of them own an Airbnb and they get raided by. Oh, it's the Australian show. Yeah. yeah. Why can't I remember the name of this show? Yeah, that's a pretty good show. But yeah, like I, I've seen a few, uh, some trash TV here and there. It's, it's again, good entertainment as long as you don't take it as reality. <laughs> yeah. Netflix has been kind of going through this dating show renaissance over the past few years. They've been launching a lot of dating shows. Uh, so if you need something to turn your brain off, uh, there's always something. Yeah. Like, uh, how many different ways can we make the bachelor or bachelorette like, but you know, but different. Yep. Or 90 day fiance. Yeah. Oh, I still got to watch some more 90 day fiance. That's always good. There's so many spinoffs of 90 day fiance too. There's reaction shows. Like entire shows that are just made to react to 90 Day Fiance. And then there's another show to react to the reactions. I'm not even kidding. Oh, Jesus. Because I, I, again, I understand why people like these shows, but it also always gets to a point like shows like that that are that successful. I'm like, how are you making a react to the react to the reaction? Oh, to like, it's I, just like getting everyone's voice involved, I guess. Yeah. Again, I understand why people like the show in general. It's all the stuff that comes afterwards where they're like, but Johnny, I love you. And everyone just shits their pants. Yeah. And like, I always take it with a grain of salt when I'm watching these shows. Like, everyone's pretty judgmental. Like, um, how could you do whatever? But like, that is not a tour de force. How do how dare you watch that? Yeah. Um, but. I don't know. I, I don't judge people too much, like being on camera, like all the time, usually like just being followed around in intimate moments. Like, I, I think Molly and I are pretty cool together, but I, I wouldn't want a camera following us around all the time. And then these people are expected to be like their best selves. Yeah. Well, with shows like this, it's like, you know, you like what you like. Yeah. Don't let don't let anyone else judge what you like. Yeah. So. Uh, do you have any recommendations? Yeah, so so far I've been binging through uh, Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime. It's called The Expanse, and it's pretty typical, pretty typical sci-fi show. But I ch- I've been for whatever reason I've just been binging it and binging it. It hasn't gotten great for me yet, but it's just been constantly intriguing that I've just kept watching and watching. But yeah, so what it's about is basically. It's just Earth, Mars, and the belt. And the belt is basically Jupiter's moons. All basically in, co- in a Cold War sort of stance. 
Like, it's clearly a parallel to the Cold War. But the thing I really like about this show is that none of the technology seems so unrealistic that it couldn't eventually happen. Like, Star Trek is so far into the future and so optimistic that I'm like, I don't think some of these could exist. Or at least not in the way that it's shown in the show. Yeah, Star Trek has like teleportation and light years of travel and short periods of time and a bunch of unrealistic stuff. Does this have like humans or is it like different uh, alien races and stuff? No, this is very distinctively only humans. It only takes place on Earth, Mars, and the and the asteroids around Jupiter, which they call the belt. And it's a pretty typical story at first where, of course, Earth is a bunch of evil conniving, like not even evil necessarily. They're just, they're very prototypical, like America, England, like any big colonial um, powers back yeah. in the day where they're very much about me, my own. Mars is very much like, ostracized as the other they're a colony that wants to break off from earth and earth is like no like we don't want you to break off and become your own thing we're gonna tell you that you can't you can't make your own sky you can't make your own water so that way you're still dependent on us kind of thing which basically launches them into this cold war state where they're both mars and earth have like nukes pointed at each other at all times and then the belt is just because of this whole thing, uh, water and air, especially in the belt and in on Mars, is very is very rare, a huge commodity. And even on Earth, where how humans have destroyed the Earth are continuing to destroy the Earth, it's still a paradise for now. But that's largely because they found large chunks of ice in the belt that they can melt down, send water to Earth and Mars. And Earth and Mars take a ton from the belt and don't really ever give anything back. They're very much like indentured servants or very close to slave labor labor at a point. And the belt is getting to the point where both sides, both Earth and Mars, have labeled them as terrorists. And so the belt is almost like the third party terrorists to where Earth and Mars are very much Russia and the us both have nukes pointed at each other are kind of looking for any excuse to use them on one another and are really mostly just at peace because of the whole you know if you destroy us we'll destroy you too kind of thing and it's very very cold war era which i i enjoy that a lot and i feel like the first season while it was a little slow to start going eventually hit its stride about halfway through if not in season two that right where i am now it's hit its stride of where you can clearly tell where the story is mainly going and it's it's really interesting it's a very it's a very cool what if kind of future thing where nothing is unrealistic it sounds like an interesting pessimistic socio-political view of what it would be like to um discover a new frontier and colonize it because that's kind of what history has done i mean with europeans discovering uh the new world and 
um, also like Africa and uh, other territories around the world. It becomes like this complex uh, political thing. And with people living, being born and growing up on Mars and Jupiter, uh, you know, it, it doesn't seem all that unlikely that it would have that kind of ripple effect. Yeah, and they leave in very cool small details. Like when they go into into high G, which is basically whenever they get into a ship, if they go too fast, they're like, yeah, no, the like we have to give you this drug or else the blood will shoot to the back of your feet and you'll essentially go into cardiac arrest and die. Um, so they need to give them this drug in order to keep them their bodies like in stable G while they're going at any speed whatsoever. And same thing with any of the other technology. There's nothing There's nothing that replicates food. They always have to go and get food or get water. The people who were born and grew up on the boat have different abnormalities as opposed to humans, where if someone from the boat who's lived in very low G, low gravity for their entire lives gets put on Earth, it's like basically putting a cinder block on them hmm. for the entire time they're here. Same thing with people from Mars. They acknowledge the fact that since Martians have a different horizon than Earthers, anytime they go outside, just looking at the horizon, it will put them off balance and make them dizzy huh. because there's a slightly different horizon between what Mars would have as a horizon and what Earth would. And same thing with gravity. That's if interesting. Like, would it be more curved on Mars? Is it like a smaller planet? Like, how could it be that different? It, it's a slightly bigger planet, and it's different. It's just different enough, especially in low gravity, and just with Earth, the horizon, for the most part, unless you're looking at the ocean, appears very close. Whereas since Mars is nothing, the horizon just spans for however long you can see it. Hmm. It's like looking at the ocean all the time. So they acknowledge like small small points like that, but it's very it's very much a political thing. The only real negatives I've had with the show is just that before Amazon picked it up, it was originally a sci-fi show, which isn't a bad thing. But you can tell they had no budget. It looks like a TV show made on the sci-fi sh channel for five bucks. It's they have like lasers and stuff, just like that, the tacky like. No, actually, that's one thing. I, another thing about it being realistic, they all still use powdered weapons. Oh, nice. They still like all the ships still use bullets because they're like, yeah, why, you know. Why use lasers? A, a bullet in in space will go even faster in space yeah. or it at least will never slow down. Yeah, that's true. And same. And so and also with their missiles, they acknowledge the fact that they use nuclear warheads for every single missile in space. Oh, damn. So yeah, just little realistic points like that is part of why I like the show. And yeah, no, what I mean more by just bad CG is just anytime you see spaceships or spaceship battles, you can tell it's like, okay, this was made on a budget. But again, you give, you know, you give those concessions, especially in the first few seasons of like, eh, it doesn't look that good. And as it goes on later, it definitely could tell they got more money and more money yeah. to pump into the visuals and the big space battles and the really intense parts. So yeah, I've been, I've been really enjoying it so far. Nice. Yeah. It sounds like a good sci-fi recommendation. 
All right. So that was a one recommendation for the ultimatum. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you guys don't have to watch it. It's it's not that great. But if you if you like trashy dating shows, then watch the ultimatum on Netflix. Go for it. So that's one soft, very soft recommendation for the ultimatum. Yeah, I, I have been a man of poor tastes recently. Oh, don't even say that. Like, <laughs> you, literally, you like what you like. If you yeah. want to recommend it, then recommend it. No, yeah. But yeah, no. And for me, it's The Expanse on Amazon Prime. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for the show. All right. All right. Adam, you have any final parting words for us here? Uh, thanks for listening or not listening to uh, the first episode of Not Your Average Movie Podcast with Tom Stift and Adam Demandictus. All right. I think that's it for us. Thanks, guys. Also, next week, we'll be talking about the movie Blind Spotting. So. Be prepared for that. If you guys want to listen to the spoiler section, definitely watch it before next Monday. And yeah, we'll see you guys in a week. Later, skaters. Bye. Rama is instructed to hang back while his comrades in arms go ahead in their mission to take down a brutal bluff. As his comrades-in-arms go ahead in their mission to take down a brutal crime lord called Tama. They like their amas. Also, completely cut out anything I said about Iko Uwais being a garbage man or anything, because he was he had that uh, martial arts fall. Also, most of what I say on this podcast is um, not... It is kind of bullshit, so... <laughs> <laughs> Is a, is a, we're only slightly lying most of the time. Yeah. Don't take your facts from me. <laughs> yes. Please fact check us, uh, comment below, let us know if we suck, and uh, move forward from there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll only cry a little bit, I swear. Only a little bit. Only a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And as we move into the spoilers section, uh, I thought Tama, like the, the drug lord, Wait, would be- uh, Sorry, yeah. I'm just going to make an official be like, or can you just make a transition? Be like, all right, I think it's time we go into the spoiler section. All right. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Ultimate Movie Club. <laughs> um, this is welcome to the spoiler section or, of. <laughs> and never mind. That's just yeah, an... You can announce it. Well, no, no, I already have like a little stinger in between. Oh, you do? Okay. To, get, to go into the spoiler section. So I'm sure I can just cut off your speech uh, yeah. point and just be like, putting the low title, title thing. <laughs>